That would be the best Halloween costume ever because people would be like, what are you, Darth Vader? Like all the young kids, they wouldn't know, right? Hunter wouldn't know. The Hunter wouldn't know. <laughs> Welcome to It is Go Darth Vader, it. right? Where yeah. your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. And now, good morning. Hey, good morning. We made it. We did make it. Another another Friday morning episode. Episode 39. Is it? We've made it. We've made it to 39. I don't know really what we've made <laughs> it to. There's no significance to 39, but that's a lot. I actually saw a billboard yesterday that said, celebrating 39 years of business on... 39th South. Name the name the place. Shane Company? No. Apollo Burger. Oh, I right. just saw it. So 39, it must be meaningful. It's meaningful to me because although we have missed some weeks, mm-hmm. we've been consistent overall. And someone in man- management here brought this up to me recently. And they said, People have been talking about doing podcasts here for years. Yeah. And it's been brought up by this person and that person in these groups, and no one's ever done it. Like, no one, just no one did it. Yeah. People have great ideas, but they don't do it. Sure. And so for for the first time in my life, I'm a doer. (laughs) And you're right there with me. We're holding hands across the finish line. That's true. I think part of it was just not telling anyone that we were doing it. And just keeping the pressure down and treating it more like play. You know, it's very low stakes and it's fun. It's like play. I think that's key. Yeah, it was a risk for sure. Because anyone could have shut us down at any point if they found out about it. Because we are on work time. The pirate radio. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I do like that idea going back to what we were just talking about. Printing the Dark Vader uh, helmet. Yeah. On the F770. That is uh, that is the name that they call it, right? I think so. On Spaceballs. So do you want to hear my f- first 3D scanning experiment? This goes back to, I think, 2008. I had this idea of creating a mask or a helmet that was like GoldenEye 007 big head mode. It's Dark Helmet. Dark Helmet. That's right. Dark <laughs> Helmet. Uh, Donkey Kong. What did they call it? Donkey Kong mode in Goldeneye where you put the code in and your head ended up huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So back in like 2008, I can't remember how we Goldeneye scanned it. Goldeneye was so great. Oh, I found a. Um, I, f- I found a program that would create like a really low resolution 3D model mm-hmm. if you took a few photos. And so I had this. Did you make one of your I had head? this model. I printed it out in papercraft, like Pepecura, but I never finished it. Typical. Yeah, typical. I wasn't a doer back then. Are we now? You? I should uh, say. There's a small person now. There it's a it's not um polar. It's not z- zero or one. 
there is a range of doing and not doing, and I'm somewhere on that curve. Nice. That's all I could say. Nice. I'm on the curve somewhere. Well, <laughs> you're on the spectrum. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, exactly. I think the, the fact that we made it 39 seconds is almost just as important because just starting is one of the biggest hurdles that you have to jump, right? Just starting. Not me. Sorry. I, I You were probably going to go somewhere. That's okay. <laughs> Did That's I okay. just ruin you it? Clearly dis- I, you clearly I disagree. It? You clearly disagree. No, I, I agree. Starting. Um, what's that movie? Hardball. Have you seen that? I don't think so. It is the cutest movie. It's a Keanu Reeves movie. You know, I've never seen one it. of his bad acting movies. And oh, some might argue all of his movies are bad acting movies. Wow. Others. You can't totally hate disagree. on Keanu. I don't. I hate easy. This is one of my favorite movies. It's called Hardball. Okay. And it's a cute little movie about a little baseball team. And Keanu is basically an addicted gambler. He's a low life. Oh, sounds like a good kids movie. Oh, great kids movie. But he gets uh, forced into coaching this little league baseball team. Ends up falling in love with them, as do you throughout the movie. Yeah. And the whole idea of the movie is showing up. Yeah. He's like, I've been blown away by these kids' ability to show up. And their lives were tough, you know, things were crazy, but everybody showed up for baseball. And this little team end up kicking butt, and it's a cute movie. So I, I agree, getting started, showing up, that's like a big part of it. Um, my struggle's been more, I tear things apart, I get them going, I have great ideas, I'm like, ooh, yeah, yeah. I'm flying. Yeah. I'm really kicking butt on this project. I get it built back up to like, 80% and then yeah, sputters right out. Like it starts resembling what I imagined. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's enough. <laughs> Looks good to me. <laughs> I have no words of wisdom on this because clearly I do suffer from the same syndrome. And I think, you know, becoming aware of that over the past little while has helped quite a bit overcome it. Just an awareness of it. But I struggle with that for sure. So the good thing about this is like there is no end, right? And as long as you're enjoying doing it, there is no end. It's the greatest thing. I heard a quote one time. If your ratio of thinking to doing is anything less than 80%, uh, like 80-20. Yeah. Think again, do more, something like that. (laughs) That's if your ratio. I was with you until it said think again. Because then your ratio would become even worse. Let's check it out. It's the 2080 rule of effective thinking. I think that's something. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. I may bring that up later. Yeah. But anyway, we need to be doers. Maybe some of you out there are doers and not thinkers. And I respect you. Because I watch people like you on YouTube all the time. And I think I could do better than that. (laughs) That's what I think in my mind. Yeah. And then I go to do it and the quality is really high, but the project never gets done. Yeah. Or it's higher than I can make. Yeah. With my tools. And uh, that's why it sputters. My idea of 
what it needs to be is ridiculous. I definitely admire the people who put the extra effort in to record what they're doing and and share it, you know, for for various reasons. But any job that you're doing and you're recording it, instantly it becomes three or four times longer. And then you have to go back and edit it, right? And also there's the, the there's like the vulnerability of showing people how you're doing it, knowing <laughs> that you're just going to get eviscerated by some percentage of people. You know, it doesn't matter who you are and what you do and how world renowned you could be the number one certified most prolific authority on a certain thing. And someone's going to come in being like, that's not the way I do it. Yeah. You don't need to do it that way. Or if you were smart, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I got you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been trying to film some of my activities lately. With yeah. My Bronco project. Uh-huh. You know, filming isn't too tough, but that's because I'm not even going back to look at what I filmed. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I have no feedback loop. Yeah. It's, it's an open feedback loop. I don't actually go see, like, oh, man, it would have been better to have better light here. Yeah. Or if I would have gone with a little wider view I love or it. close up. So I just film everything and I'm going to have this giant <laughs> library of junk videos yeah. and I'm not even going to know it. Yeah. I haven't even gone back to the, the editing board yet. Well, you started, so I'm not going to knock you there. Have you been filming any of your recent projects? No. You haven't? No. Hmm. Now I haven't thought, hey, I should do this and then resisted it, you know? So I haven't really considered it, but I do, I, I have considered filming other projects in the past and just the added complexity of it. It's, it hasn't been compelling to me. Yeah. I, I just ask like, you're, why, you're why am I doing this? Why well, ask, why am I doing this? And, and that's an important question to have an answer to, because when you do get to that 80% finished time and you've sort of gotten past like that the fun stage and now it's the the hard stage that takes some grit to get through yeah if you can't answer why you're doing it at that stage you'll stop every time you'll stop maybe that's my problem maybe it is i feel like i should be laying down in a little leather <laughs> sofa right now it's just a little therapy session yeah speaking of which you know they the on the topic of the podcast, you know, it sounds like people are pretty eager to to promote it a little bit, which means there's some added incentive to get some cameras in here and create some shorts and things like that. Kind of spruce up the place a little too. Yeah, it actually is fairly nice. It's doesn't need a lot of work. Eighty percent there. It is exactly eighty percent there. It really yeah. is. Though. Yeah. So. I've been two places this whole week. One, under my truck. And two, in front of YouTube. Learning, trying to figure out what I need to do under my truck. Those are the only two places I've been this week. How's it, that going? It's actually going pretty well. Um, I'm past the teardown stage and I'm just making the turn into put it back together stage. And, but the, the progression of the job is pretty funny. Like I started last Saturday and I dug into it. I'm like, this is, this is fun. I like being outside. I was dressed warm. Weather's decent. Yeah. You know, it was like 
30 degrees maybe. But so, sunny. But sunny, yep. And I was out there all day. I came in at night and I told my wife, I actually had a lot of fun. Like I just enjoyed being out there. Had the garage TV on and music. Actually, I think Saturday I just had music on the whole time. Nice. Sunday, the same thing. But Sunday changed a little bit because once you get in, you're like, oh, I, I should deal with this or I should deal with that. And if you're having fun, you're way more likely to do like a stretch thing. Like so Sunday, I basically just de-rusted all day, almost all day. Didn't you make fun of me for feature creep the other day? Yeah. And you kind of been doing that with your but truck. I was okay, kind of, kind of. You didn't have to do all that. If you took this to a shop, sure. they wouldn't have done all that. Yeah, you, you don't have to. But also I I saw like signs of it causing problems. Like okay. my oil pan was pretty rusty. <laughs> so I'm just thinking, oh God, I need this truck to last like another 40 years. Oh my, <laughs> 20, so, 40 years. Yeah, so I was having a good time there. And then uh, at a certain point, I saw some things that were I knew were gonna add days of work. And I was like, okay, I, I, better, get, I better get that. Yeah. Because it's the progression of seeing one thing and letting it slide and then another thing and letting it slide over the course of a few years you i had a lot of anxiety about that truck let's just put it that way so i'm like i'm going to tackle those and that's where i ran into a little bit of a snag where i was trying to do the the inner seals uh <laughs> around the differential and it literally took me one night to remove each seal so two nights for two seals that's all i got done if you were a mechanic, you'd be on the chopping block. Yeah, for you're sure. Like, this guy, he took two days to get two seals out. I don't sure. know if we can keep him around. Oh, man, it was tough. But so how did you ultimately get him out? Uh, the first one, I was just brute force. I was able to hammer it out from the one side once I could get a the end of a uh, pry bar on it. But on the other side, where the seal is like three feet into the axle, I couldn't hammer it out. So that one I eventually just ripped apart. I just That was the brute force. I definitely ripped it apart, but I tried many things to some success. And it's always interesting. You probably do this too. Like things will be going good. And then suddenly you hit a, you hit a point where you're like, oh crap, nothing, nothing. I've tried work so far and then you'd start to get more and more creative. And at one point I tried to weld a little tool <laughs> to help me. And honestly, I was thinking if our exact metal machine was up, cause we just recently moved it from one room to another room. So mm -hmm. the argon wasn't hooked up yet, which that was fun. Yeah, that was, that <laughs> was fun. Um, I, that would have been the first time I probably would have printed a tool on the metal machine and went home and used it. Really? Yeah. Yep. If, if I wasn't in, you know, such a rush and that machine was available, I would have. Yeah. Cause I think I could have printed a, the perfect tool for it. I made a little tool once for something similar. It was way easier though. It was on the Nissan frontier. Uh huh. It has like a, I have the, off-road edition which has a bigger axle 
and it has bearing adjusters, you know, the carrier bearings for the yep. differential. Okay. They've got a hexagon. They're basically, they appear to be a laser cut piece of sheet metal yeah. that gets dome formed. So it gets metal formed into a dome shape. Okay. So it maintains that hexagon um, internal cut yeah. on the head of it. And then it's threaded on the vertical walls. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well. Is Think it, of a bottle be, cap. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm picturing. The wrinkled portion of the bottle cap is actually the threaded portion of this thing. And then yeah. the top of the bottle cap would be cut that's, into a hexagon. That's what I was picturing. Shape. And so the idea is like you wouldn't need shims. Yeah, exactly. Cool. It's super cool. And it's got a little locking mechanism on it. Yeah. So as soon as you do get your, your bearing tension where you want it. Yeah. Um, you can lock it in place. Really cool. But I had to build a tool. Yeah. A custom tool like to go through the axle tube all the way to this this hex thing. And I made it so that it would like funnel into it. Yeah. And it's funny because it's. I went to a differential shop and I asked the guys like, what do you do with these things? Because I've never torn apart a differential before. Total idiot here. Yeah. And <clears throat> everything on online has shims and all that stuff and i'm like where are the shims on my truck yeah you know because i pulled this thing apart uh -huh. and i'm like where's the shims yeah where's all this stuff oh it must have been a perfect fit well i go to put the new differential in and it's slightly different size it's not fitting in yeah and i'm like what do i do i was freaking out <laughs> all it was is you just oh, you just spin relate. those little things out yeah I can super relate. easy and I talked to the dude at the diff shop and he was super happy to tell me, oh, yeah, I have these custom tools. I used to loan them out to people, but they never come back. Yeah. And I felt like after I built mine, I should just go take it to his shop. Um, but me being kind of a hoarder and having put the work into that tool, I was like, maybe I'll need it again. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness it's been a few years. I haven't had to mm -hmm. pull apart the rear end on that truck, but. I guess that's a project that I finished that worked. Yeah, nice. So and I built a custom tool for. Sometimes you need these custom tools and sometimes you know a custom tool's necessary for these car jobs or truck jobs. And sometimes you don't, right? Sometimes you'll be researching and it's like, you need such and such tool, like OTC 2346. You need that tool. Or you see like on a forum or somewhere, someone's like, I made this tool and it helped. And I did make a forum post. Yeah. Old school. So like when I did the head gaskets on my F-350, uh -huh. I had to cut and weld a bracket to lift the heads safely with the engine hoist. And I found a drawing that someone had done and put it up on... Like a napkin sketch or an actual... Uh, like a drawing. hand drawn. Okay. Oh, actually, no. It was, it was like a yeah, like a a dimension a dimension drawing. drawing yeah, two D technical drawing. Someone had put it up on one of the Power Stroke forums. Nice. I was like, oh, perfect. That's exactly what I needed. Um, I could have bought the bracket for whatever people are selling it for, like hundred, hundred twenty dollars. Rip or off. Or I can use this drawing and make it myself out of little scrap metal that I had. And it was perfect. And always, I mean, in the past, every time I 
I was told you need this special tool. It's always like, can I make that tool? And oftentimes the shapes are simple enough. Like you could, you're just missing the dimensions, which is pretty critical, you know? Like I have this hub seal tool for the, for the Super Duty. Mm -hmm. And I hated having to buy it because it was like $80, <laughs> you know? And it, it's so simple. You could make it out of pipe fittings or cut tube or cut pipe, but you don't have the dimensions. So I went around online searching for anyone who'd done a CAD drawing of it. Because if all I had the dimensions, then I could make a decision if I could do it. And they don't exist. These CAD drawings of these special tools don't exist. But they should. Okay. They should. <laughs> okay. There should be... There should be a website that's like the McMaster car of these specialty tools. Either dimensions of the, you know, OEM specialty tools or dimensions of homemade stuff. So let me get this straight and tell me if I'm misinterpreting this. Like McMaster, you made the comparison to McMaster, they're yeah. selling stuff. They include yeah. drawings, yeah, technical drawings, so you can get this information, make sure it fits, whatever. You want it to be like McMaster, where you could buy the tool if you needed to buy it or make the tool with All the right. technical so drawing. I've, I've been thinking about this. Or more like, like Thingiverse, where it's like the model's there, and yeah. you could download the model and measure it yourself or do whatever you want. A little of both. I think if I were to implement this, it would be a little bit of both, right? So it'd be a, it would be a website specific for specialty service tools, okay? And all of the content would be user submitted. So people all around the world with these tools already, all they have to do is submit the measurements of these, of these tools, right? Mm -hmm. Now, alongside the measurements or CAD drawings of these tools, either one, would be like an affiliate link to go buy the tool if you wanted to. Because there's a good number of people who would go there and search and be like, uh, I'm not gonna do that. But then here's the link to send you to Amazon or wherever and, and buy the tool. And then another portion of people will download the file and attempt to make it, etc. But you do that and then you do a revenue share with the affiliate link to incentivize the people to actually contribute. And I think that you could totally. I don't make think it's going to happen. I think it could be successful. Maybe there's some issues how? around. What do you mean? How? Well, I mean that most of the people that are using these tools, for example, service. Yeah. They're blue collar jobs. These guys probably aren't CAD savvy. Yeah. They're probably not even engineering savvy in, in the way that you would measure and reverse engineer something. I think having like even a pen on your desk or like something that's sitting on your desk right now, like this headphone jack or whatever, if you took a measuring tool to it, it's one thing if you took a measuring tool to it and you're measuring critical dimensions. Yeah. It's another thing if you're trying to reverse engineer that. Have you ever done this? This is like one of the ways I got good at CAD. Of is, course I've re reverse engineered things. Yeah, and so you really learn, like your brain connects all the dots. 
I need every single critical dimension and the ones that aren't critical yeah. to actually make a good representation of this part. Yeah. So most well, people aren't thinking like that. And it's you keep saying most, but I don't know if it's most. Certainly there is a significant percentage of people who are using these tools. We need a poll. Yeah. A significant percentage of the people buying these tools are putting them in their toolbox at the mechanic shop and that's their career. And for them, it makes total sense to, to spend 50, 100, $150 for a specialty tool because they're gonna get the use out of it, right? Like they're getting paid a shop rate. They're definitely incentivized to work fast. And that's why they go and buy the snap-on tools, all these specialty tools because it helps them win more work and and make more money off every job. But there's also tons of people that, like us, would be forced to buy the tool and just use it once, right? Like the guy who you're talking about, the transmission shop, you said that he used to loan the tools. Yeah. Um, but they would walk off. And then like all the parts stores have loaner tools too, right? Like tons of people just need these tools briefly. I... I don't know. I don't see. I I like it. I like yeah. the idea. Like, I know you can measure things with your phone right now. Like, you could you can get pretty accurate. Yeah, you know, dimensions off a kind of like a picture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder is as part of your repository. I, I think it's within our lifetime where we're three D scanning things with our phone, and you could actually submit. Yeah, you know, kind of a scan. Yeah. of your tool because then it's easy i think the new iphones have lidar and you can do some level of 3d scanning but i don't think you'd have the precision necessary for many of these tools well let's let's back it up here tyler if you're gonna make this in your home shop you yeah. don't have the precision that some of these tools require yeah that's true perhaps so you them. need to know the difference of when I can manufacture this here or yeah, that's true. You know what? I'm paying that's for true. the fact that this is a super high tolerance deal. That's true. Dude, but I just know so many people at home <laughs> with even <laughs> just an FDM printer could could build a lot of these shapes needed for pressing in bearings and seals and holding belts you know, ten tensioning belts and things like that. Like a lot of these tools could be made with FDM printers. Yeah, I don't disagree. I just, you're, you're gonna have to come with us, come with a little better plan, I think. I actually thought the plan was pretty good. A crappy plan would have been like, hey, you know, let's just try to start a movement that gets all these files onto Thingiverse. I came up with a, in, you related it to McMaster Car. Yeah. McMaster's car, McMaster Car's goal is to sell products. And honestly, like I said, this this website, if it existed, would actually generate revenue from people just choosing to buy. Let us know what you think. I, yeah. I'm not totally convinced. Let if you're listening to this right now and you made it this far, send us an email because I want to know. I know an email. It's so old school, huh? Like actually take yeah. the time to, to copy <laughs> our email link, put it in your email or address. Just, 
Hit us send up us on something. LinkedIn. Yeah, or LinkedIn. Whatever. LinkedIn's pretty easy. Yeah. Send send us a message and tell us what you think about the repository idea. I really like it. What do you think would make it better? What do you think would make There's, it more feasible yeah. and like get people to actually give their information? There's a thread on Home Shop Machinist forum that's been going on for like 15 years. That's homemade tools. It's the most popular thread on the entire forum. People people love this stuff. You got this bookmarked? I don't have, I have it mentally bookmarked. <laughs> I know how to get there very quickly. Right in the old bear trap. I just, to get there, I definitely don't bookmark it. I just type into Google, homemade tools. And it pops, home, home pops shop up. machinist. Yeah. Nice. That's how I get there. I, I definitely like the idea. I think another thing though, and this has been going on for years, you know, with forums now, Reddit has kind of, I feel like Reddit's been the big takeover where yeah. forums used to be super useful and now they're just kind of like they're dusty. People don't use them as often. Yeah. But there's a certain amount of pride that goes into gathering data or doing something yourself and where you don't want to share it. Yeah. I agree with that. And and I don't know what to call that feeling, but it's the same. I'm going to make a, a fishing reference because I haven't done it forever. But when I'm fishing competitively, mm-hmm. which may shock some of you. Um, We've talked about that. And I figure out, oh my gosh, they're nailing, you know, this six inch swim bait in clear or whatever, like yeah. some specific color, size, profile, whatever. And everyone else is fishing like a hard bait or something, and it's just not working as well. That's like that's that little thing is a piece of my IP. Not only does it give me a competitive advantage, it is more fun. You know what I mean? Like, and and these people that are that are kind of like building their own tools. How many farmer Johns out there have made the coolest tools ever that never made it onto a forum? Yeah, I think because they're not worried about the knowledge share. Yeah. And they're also they know that no one's going to help them. They're going to help themselves. How many of these people are actually going out of their way? I don't know. It just takes a special kind of person. Some people do it as a flex. Mm -hmm. Check out this tool that I made with with scrap material. Yeah. I always love those videos on YouTube. It's like, who the heck has this as scrap? <laughs> like, they just have these crazy pieces of bar stock and, yeah. like, all this. I have experienced, lately, I, like, I felt cool because I had two little square cutouts of 3 sheet metal. And I was like, oh, sweet. Like, I have this on hand and I didn't have to cut <laughs> it. Like, for me, that was cool. But these guys are coming at you with all Dude. kinds of bar stock and you like, should, oh, I just had this lying around. You sh- I should send you some photos of my scrap materials. I have. Is it a pile? I have a, I have, I have it stored in four different places. Oh my gosh. I have plate, I have bar, I have tube, I have angle. You know what I'm talking about though. I'm, or they'll come I'm telling with you, like, I just probably a, have a gearbox out of like, oh, this is a gearbox yeah. from a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From an old winch that I got at a military whatever. I bought it not knowing what I was going to use it for. And yeah. here we go. It's like, well, who else can do this? <laughs> who else can go find that stuff? Yeah. It, anyway, sorry. I, I, my Where I was headed with this is how many people 
aren't incentivized to share by pride, right? Like people can do it for prideful reasons. They can be wanting to flex on right. on people. Like I can make this. If, if you guys can, good for you. But I definitely not. agree with this. That's why. Or it's like the, there's a true people out there that really want to help. I think a lot of these people that you were just talking about would be happy to help. They're just not going to go out of their way to do it. It's kind of like you filming your projects. Yeah, I don't want to. It could help somebody though, but it you don't could. because it's more work. But if but it, my neighbor came over and I was like, yeah, this, 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 and I spent 20 minutes explaining everything. So it's just a matter of incentive, which is why that component <laughs> of my idea where there's- What's the incentive again? There's a revenue share with- So you're gonna pump out dollars and cents. This is kind of like YouTube. Yeah. Like depending on how many things you deposit, if you're going you're going to get some chunk of change. Yeah, I would let people submit their own affiliate links alongside their submissions. Ah. So it really would be like a YouTube type yeah. model, business model. But yeah. with I, I I really like it. You would get you would get a, s a certain number of people that just go nuts measure everything that they have access to and submit tons. junk junk maybe i don't know it could I, work i like the idea i'm trying i'm trying part i'm of the, getting a little more amped about it part, i'm starting to get excited okay. though part of the challenge with printing at home is what do you print how do you get the drawings like and i and especially with you know this whole social movement towards more virtualized assets and virtualized like you're you're spending more time with virtual models like whether it be ar or vr or xr or whatever people are going to become more and more familiar with digital models and have a need for digital models and that's a great thing for people with 3d printers so i think this, this, something like this, and it could, it could be in other realms too, right? Like you have e-replacement parts or you have appliancepros.com, like these sites that sell appliance parts, for example, because I am also waiting for an appliance part. <laughs> My dishwasher has been down for two weeks. Oh, bummer. Can't get a part. Um, we need... Many of these parts could be printed, is what I'm saying. And the infrastructure of getting those parts into those files into people's hands just really isn't there yet. It may be premature for a lot of this stuff, but especially for like service tools, specialty tools, like we should start one for Stratasys field tech specialty tools. Tools that we know would make people's job easier. I and mean, that, that could exist for all sorts of industries. Right. And get, I really but, like, I like it, but get, I like it. I just, I think your, your issue is with incentivization, incentivization. Yeah. Is that a word? I think, you know, look at GrabCAD. Tons of people submit files to GrabCAD. Mm -hmm. Why? Clout. Like online clout. Yeah. And they kind of use it as a portfolio, uh -huh. I guess. Yeah. I mean, a lot but, of the, the things I've seen on there. What's overdone. The, what's like the magic value? mic. Yeah. What's the value in that though? 
self-worth. It's all internal, right? <laughs> I don't know. Where if you had a structure where you're you're basically putting in reverse engineered or novel parts up and then you're getting what's the liability here? I don't know. That I don't know. <laughs> I have to research that more. Okay, for sure. Um everything on the sites just use at your own risk. You have to sign some there, sort of waiver. I mean, obviously, you know, there could be there could be some companies that are upset about that, but they also might realize like, hey, actually what we make is a lot harder than you think. So go ahead and do this, but and we'll even sponsor it, but make sure all of these affiliate links go to our website. How many tools do you think are misused? Not and not yeah. by accident either. Yeah like purposely misused or like their everyday use. Like, yeah, I know this is how it's supposed to be off, used. Off-label use. But this is how it works for me. Off-label use. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it depends on the the level of specialty, I would say, in the tool. Some tools are so specialized, there really is no other right. tool. And then you have something like a hammer, which is <laughs> often misused for violence. You know, like... Oh, my. Come <laughs> on. I know... <laughs> I know almost every tool in my shop has yeah. been misused intentionally. Yeah. To try to get these seals out, I think I pulled every single <laughs> yes. tool out of my toolbox just seeing, could I use this to remove this seal? And, you know, if not used as directed, for sure. Literally every single tool came out and I, the question was, can my brain figure out a way to use this? Yes or no? Or maybe. It, it took basically every tool. All right. Well, you did send me a picture of your tool pile this yeah, morning. I had to. And everything's out. Everything is out, which means everything's getting cleaned before it goes back in. One of the things that this makes me think about, this knowledge share, and one of the reasons why I don't, I can't quite put my finger on it. It's actually relevant. Recently, I tried, there's this thing that I'm super curious about that I've been trying to find online and I just can't. And it's a TIG welding technique that you see everywhere. Okay. If you've if you've looked at any fabrication jobs, especially in the off-road industry, you've seen it. And it's a cap or a cover pass that these guys do. So they're doing a double pass. And you know, you see the weave stuff, you see all the like cool stack yeah. of dimes and all that stuff. And certainly people can stack the dimes up on a single pass. But these guys in the off-road off industry, they'll do a root pass that's like relatively small. And then they'll do a cap cover pass that's aesthetically pleasing and just adds more meat yeah. to the to the weld. So in theory, it's stronger and it looks better. I cannot find information anywhere. No forums have it. None of the, like, there's, there's tons of really good welding yeah. YouTubers out there that are, yeah. prof, you know, pa professional welders in their past life. And, you know, now they're YouTubers full time and they don't have anything on it. Nobody has anything on it. So I went to Instagram because I'm like, okay, this is the modern yeah. era. Time to start just reaching out to people. I reach out to this guy who I found on some other YouTube channel, he had mentioned doing a cover pass on one of his fabrication projects. And he says, he said something to the effect of like, I do it out of paranoia. 
you know, I get, I want more material and more strength. Okay. And I'm like, okay, this is a guy who actually just opened up a little, mm-hmm. just a tiny mm-hmm. amount. Okay. So, cause I'd always assume there's a little more heat in it cause they're, they're big welds, you know? And my mind is trying to think of ways to, that they're doing it. They're using a lot of heat. They're traveling really fast. They're using pulse TIG, whatever. So I reach out to this guy on Instagram and that, that lovely man texted me back two days later or DM'd me back mm-hmm. two days later. So I, I DM'd some TIG welder yeah. on Instagram and he actually hit me up. Yeah. I was so grateful. Was he helpful? I was so grateful. He, he was and wasn't like, he wasn't super vague, but when you don't have any understanding of, of really what they're doing, yeah, it's all kind of foreign. And so he, he told me he's welding at like 320 to 350 amps, which is like, it's huge. Double what my machine can even yeah. do. I my mean, machine, many, I think will go to 200. How many welding machines will even go that high? It's a $10,000 machine. That he's using. It's like a big generator it's style a, it's machine? A, no. It's a Miller Synchrowave. 400? Uh, 350. Okay. Oh, and, I have seen these. And I don't know if he's just flexing the fact yeah. that he has a $10,000 machine. You know, because in that amperage range, you're only, you're, you have a handful of options if yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So now I kind of have an idea of how to do it. My What I suspected with the heat is true. But he didn't say anything about travel speed. I didn't. Mm. I didn't message him asking for like specific numbers either. I just said, "Hey, what's your workflow like?" Yeah, because I was interested. You know what? What? What's your overall methodology to how you do these cap welds? And he kind of laid it out, and I was super grateful. But I just wish. I think TIG welding people really protect kind of like fishing secrets or these yeah. these little things because it's like this is how I make my money. Right. This is my business is making these aesthetically pleasing welds. And my shop's the only one in this location that can do these type of things. So I feel yeah. like to an, to a degree, people are protective of these secrets. And and that's why it was a shock to me that he would even tell me anything. Yeah, I agree with that. There's, there's a similar pursuit I've been on that I haven't taken the step of messaging anyone, but I should. Cause it looks like that's a, that's a good option, but I see these pieces of art that are laser cut and stacked. Oh, maybe, but a lot of stacks, five, 10, 15 stacks, very, very intricate laser cut designs. And conceptually, I know that they're doing this in something like illustrator and slicing it. And well, they're doing different layers in the model, uh, in the 2D model, every layer is a, is a slice. But the workflow to do that, I feel like would either be insanely hard and require a ton of artistic talent, or there's gotta be a procedural way to do it that's easier. And, but I can't find anyone who shows anything about the actual 2d art creation and i just want to see someone do that end of it you know it's their ip i know and it's it's bugging me so bad because i i'm like you want that information for i free. just i would even you'd take a master class on it <laughs> i would i would 
I've seen it done on uh, like two or three layer things, but people do these super elaborate dozen plus layer things and it the complexity is so high, I just don't understand how people do it. Or maybe I just can't accept that they're just pure artists and they do it that way, which is totally possible, but I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I like your idea. Ultimately, I think knowledge sharing is important. So if you're holding on to one of these secrets, if you're listening to this yeah, and you're holding on to a secret, pass it along if you can. I mean, obviously there's certain IP that just probably should stay with you right. and be protected. But I think, I think the future is in knowledge share and being less greedy with knowledge is going to be more and more re rewarded. I think we already see that a bit. The people who yeah. share their work are more highly rewarded than people who are not. That's my perception anyway. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I like it. In fact, I'm going to reference a YouTube of the week that I mentioned previously. We got one minute. Make it custom with a K. Okay. He did this, you know, we talked about power hammers not too long ago. The air hammers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did this organically shaped metal part, a sheet metal part, pretty thick, like 3 16th steel. And he shaped it using an air hammer and a couple steel bucks. Incredible. So cool. Awesome. So Make anyway. Awesome. My YouTube of the week is Diesel Tech Ron. Oh, my. You, Come on. You know him, Who's right? Who's going to watch that? No, I don't know him. The Okay, Diesel Tech Ron blows my mind because not only is he one of these guys that he was a professional, but he would film day to day helping people out. And his, honestly, he must have helped millions of people work on their own vehicles. But the most remarkable thing about him is that he passed away in a car accident like five or six years ago. And to this day, every video that I see, you always see, thank you so much. Rest in peace, Ron. Thank you for helping us. Dude, that makes me want to cry. That's actually, that's pretty cool. It's amazing. You go to his channel and years later, people are like thanking him about the time that he took to help them. And it's just, it's obviously made a huge impact just through the course of doing his own, doing his job. Wow. That's right in line with our theme. Yeah. Knowledge. Share your knowledge. That's why That's why I thought you'd like wow. that. Wow. Thanks, dude. For sure. I like that. For sure. Okay, let's call it. See you later, everybody. Bye.